Hello everyone and welcome to episode 125 of the Actual Fluency Podcast, the podcast for anyone who wants to learn a foreign language. Each week I invite special guests in the language learning community, accomplished polyglots or even industry experts to try and talk about how to best learn foreign languages, give you the best tips, tricks and ideas so that you can become fluent much faster and much more efficiently than the good old <laughs> school method. Um, this week I'm joined by Jory Pirogino from, uh, he's one of the organizers of Langfest. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. I was there in two years ago in Montreal, had a really good time. So that's also why I'm really happy to see that they continued the event the next year. And now this is the third year they're going to have it. And it's on the 21st of August. And if you're listening to this in the future, you know, go to langfest.org and uh, see if uh, the next one might have been put up for registration. Uh, you can catch a discount if you use the code CHRIS, so it's K-R-I-S. It'll give you 15% off. Additionally, they have other discounts as well. Uh, but so if you're looking to buy a last-minute ticket on, on Langfest, then, uh, yeah, use that code, get a, a bit of a discount. I really, really enjoy language events, and I we're going to talk about this in, in the episode, so I'm not going to take too much of your time before getting into uh, the actual episode itself with Joey, but I just wanted to say, if you have the opportunity to go to events like this, there's the gathering in Bratislava, there's the conference in Slovenia this year, it will be a new place next year, and then there's the Langfest here, which is in, in the end of August, um, late August. So if you can go, I really encourage it. it it's a fantastic experience, life-changing for some people. So yeah, give it a try. The other thing I recommend you check out is Glossica, which is the sponsor of the podcast. They're an online audio course provider, which is focused on spaced repetition. So you get a lot of repetitions of each sentence that has a lot of grammatical points in it. So each sentence is designed to get you to be familiar with different varieties of the language. So it could be different grammatical elements, it could be objects, pronouns, uh, you know, conjugations and, and so forth. And they have 50 plus languages available for in the same subscription. So you don't have to pay extra if you're an aspiring polyglot to want to study a couple of languages at a time. Um, yeah, so check it out at tryglossica.com. So that's G-L-O-S-S-I-K. K-A, Glossica, and uh, tryglossica.com will get you to a, the website where you can, you know, get a free trial and, and check it out. And if you like it, you can subscribe for a, a monthly fee. And as I said, you get access to all of the languages, all the tools to have lots of different games and applications. But anyway, that's enough for now. Enjoy this episode with Joey Perugino. And if you're going to Langfest, let me know. I'd like to follow you and get your Instagram snaps. Unfortunately, I won't be there, but uh, have a great time and uh, enjoy the episode. Welcome you, Joey, to the podcast. Thank you for taking the time out of your probably lovely summer afternoon to uh, to talk to me today. It is my pleasure to... Uh uh have an opportunity to talk with you chris um fantastic it's always uh, uh always pleasant to do so <laughs> well thank you very much and i i 
always remember back to uh, my good time in uh, in Montreal a couple of years back when we did the you did the first Langfest and uh, I was there to see it all unravel and now you're in the third one, which obviously we're going to talk a lot about today. But uh, yeah, remember those uh, was it tacos or burritos in the late night and uh, yeah, Montreal. Yeah. It's a wonderful place to be in the world. Yep, I I don't remember exactly the. Uh... And I remember we had a drink that day, some kind of Mexican drink, and there was something weird written on it. I have yeah. a picture of it somewhere. <laughs> we were like uh, debating, how does this make any sense? What does the sentence really mean? <laughs> Stuff like that, yeah. Well, that's language notes for you, isn't it? It's anytime I guess so. <laughs> there's always discussion. But before we get started on all the, the Langfest goodness, do you want to just give the listeners an idea of, of who you are, where you're from? what you've been doing with languages that, that went into eventually creating this event. I guess so. Um, well, I'm Joey Perugino. I'm, I guess, the product of a uh, mixed cultural background. Uh, my, my father was Italian, but he came to Canada, Montreal, when he was 16. Uh, my mom was born here. She's Canadian. Uh, her mom was, uh, her mom and dad both had French Canadian, were, were both born here, but they came from mixed backgrounds also. My, um, on my father's side, the, uh, on my, sorry, on, on my mother's side, the, her father was part German and her, and her mother was part Spanish. Oh. So, I had a lot of things uh, always around me from the beginning. And that sort of uh, brought, made uh, me always curious about languages. I mean, I, I think Montreal in itself also is quite unique in the fact that there's always that duality of French and English, but everybody, at least all my friends in the neighborhood that I lived, came from somewhere else. I had Portuguese friends, Greek friends, Italian friends. French Canadian friends, um, and that helped shape me into the, I guess, the language geek that uh, people know me as today. Uh, in my, I guess, in my youth, I went to a bilingual French school, so that helped. French and English all day, half day in French, half day in English. Uh, my high school was only in French, but I did my university in English. Um, I've made a lot of efforts throughout, I guess, the years in order to be able to uh, come to uh, learn a little bit more about my my my, my father's culture, which which was uh, Italian. I uh, bought my first language book when I was about 14 <laughs> to uh, learn Italian because I wanted to speak it better because we never really spoke it at home. My father just spoke to me in French and I sort of learned it after. Uh, Spanish, my grandmother used to talk to me a little bit in Spanish. My mom used to make me watch a little uh, uh, Spanish shows or movies when I was young. So that exposed me a little bit more. Uh, but I mean, when we grew up, I think, language just comes at us from many different directions some people are more curious about it than others mm -hmm. uh, i always was uh, germans the is a language that 
because my great grand my grandfather i guess was uh, part uh, german that always wanted to learn but um haven't ex been exposed to it so much there's actually no one around me that speaks german so uh, although i have I, I think i bought my first uh, german uh, language kit when i was probably 16 17 i've been rehashing at it for the last 30 years or so <laughs> and making gradual progress i'm making more progress now i think there's more it's easier because of all the content that's out there and also hosting uh, being the co-organizer of an event like Langfest, you're around so many people that are just so incredible, right? You know, that know so many languages and stuff like that. You can't help but you know kick yourself a little bit of a kick yourself a little bit in order to uh, push you to do the extra effort to learn that language. But right. some languages are easier than others to learn, and uh, I mean, I've had the good fortune to meet a lot of people like yourself and other polyglots from all around the world. All of you give me your little tidbits of wisdom as to how I should go about learning. Uh, you go and you you take and pick little things here and there. I think gradually, I mean, if, if you're consistent and you want to uh, push forward, you will learn you know mm -hmm. but it takes it takes it takes effort like anything in life if you really want to make it happen you will but um you know nothing happens by by mistake i guess we learn uh, like the co-organizer of tetsu uh, of uh, langfest tetsu uh learned when he was young and he's trying to do with his kids try to expose them to as many languages as possible from a young age mm -hmm. so that they all grow up learning it sort of naturally that might be the best method but for most of us that you know maybe get one or two when we're young and after that we acquire the others um it's not it's maybe not as straightforward the uh the uh the learning path right how's that um, manifested itself when when you, uh, you know, got those language books when you were, uh, say, a teenager or a little bit older, maybe, and, and you still had that, like, idea of wanting to learn more languages. Was that, did you take any school uh, courses or? Well, yeah, I mean, for example, for me, taking language classes was, uh, I guess, an opportunity to, to learn the language. And uh, it was always classes that I did fairly well in. So helped me get better credits at uh, or better <laughs> grades at university instead of having linear algebra or, or it accounting was... or whatever. You know, I learned, I took uh, Spanish or I took Italian. And I, I mean, I helped learn, acquire or deepen my knowledge of those languages. Um, it's, it's, I guess la languages is something that's always interested me, Chris. Mm -hmm. um, makes it easier you know, to like, learn. Well, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It does make it easier to learn. And I, it's, it's sometimes when you have conversations with people, they think, you know, it's like, oh my God, you speak so many languages and stuff and stuff like that. 
I guess some of it is simply interest, mm -hmm. natural curiosity, and other people are just not tuned into that. Yeah. But I always was. I see that. It also, it's all about really your upbringing, of course, but also the, the cultural environment you grow up in. If you grow up in a place where nobody speaks a second language, then it's probably hard to build that interest when you're young. Yeah, I, I, I guess one of the languages that I really, really worked, probably that I worked the most at to really want to learn was Italian when I was young. Because even though, you know, uh, my my father was Italian, I, I never really got the chance to speak it. Mm -hmm. Apart from on occasion when I went to see my grandparents or certain types of events where older generation Italians would talk to you in Italian, then you you would try to speak. Um, however, I guess when both your parents don't speak normally in that language and they don't talk to you in that language, uh, it's it's always a little bit more of an effort to learn. Sure, yeah. And I guess I've been... It was a really, really important for me to be able to acquire that language in order to just feel more, uh, I guess linked associated with uh my father's culture with my last name with all kinds of stuff uh, it, yeah. it's it, it opened me up to another world it made me feel accepted in that world and sometimes something that sometimes i guess when i was younger i didn't necessarily feel that i was right. um, i guess language helps your your learning a language helps open a door a language is like identity i guess so it does. And people treat you differently if you can speak to them in their language. Oh yeah, for sure. Like um do you have any good uh do you have any stories yourself about that? I, I always <laughs> like those kind of uh stories about people some of my favorites are people saying a few words in uh, I think it was uh what do you call it? In uh, in Eastern Europe somewhere, a little country. They spoke a few words just out of, you know, politeness and curiosity and they were treated to, you know, a Staying at a staying for free at a family, and they were treated three meals a day and super hospitable. <laughs> but they probably wouldn't have if they were like, "Do you speak English?" <laughs> you know. So, well, sometimes I mean, when when the most one of the most rewarding times in my life that I that I can say that you know I I felt happy or blessed for being having this curiosity for languages was uh, about twenty five. 25, 26 years ago, when I went away on, on a trip with uh, some of my, I guess, Italian friends uh, to Cuba on vacation. Uh, and we met a lot of locals uh, that were Cuban. And Cubans are very naturally uh, curious, I guess. They like talking with people and stuff like that. Uh, and then early 90s, I guess tourism wasn't as big as it is today. So whenever a tourist came, even though you're in a tourist area, resorts and stuff like that, they were always very curious to talk with you, wanted to know about stuff that's happening in your countries and things like that. And the little bit of Spanish that I knew had permitted me to be able to play sort of as an interpret with my uh, interpret translator with my friends between the Cubans that were trying to talk with us and my friends that just spoke Italian, but for them, <laughs> uh, 
Spanish was completely alien. They right. didn't have the chip of having that natural curiosity like like I do, I guess, because in reality, there's a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for them, it wasn't there. And when I was talking, I guess, you know, because, I mean, you you can try to learn a language for so long, expose yourself in many ways, but until you actually put yourself out there and try to talk, you don't really know or you can't really gauge how well you know it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that for me, that trip was defining. It's what made me realize, wow, I speak a lot more Spanish than I actually thought I did. And uh, I, I really enjoyed that role very much of being able to be the go-between between the the locals and uh, my friends and being able to connect with them in a way that I never thought that I would and I wouldn't have been able to if I didn't uh speak a little bit of spanish if i hadn't made the effort to to learn it uh that really i mean if you want to you want to talk about a moment that defines a person that you know like really opens you up to say wow i really like this language thing and i want to become i want more (laughs) that was probably it it's the start of an addiction maybe i guess so (laughs) and a few years later i was when i was in university I got involved with a uh, student association uh, and there were some people that were coming from, uh, I guess, a lot of pe- a lot of countries around Latin America. And again, I used my Spanish and I was like their local resource, bring them everywhere, uh, stuff like that. Uh, it's uh, It's been something that I enjoyed very much. Enjoy. Same thing happened with, Portu- with Portuguese uh, from when I had the opportunity to, to exchange with a lot of people from Brazil when I was in university, that made me uh, fall in love with that language also. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think in order to learn a language, there has to be something that probably clicks something that attracts you to that language, that makes that learning that, that language appealing, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, some languages, it's easier to find that. Others, you know, it's more like homework. Yeah. <laughs> you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't have that thing that makes you click or gives you a real reason to want to learn it. And I, I think for certain people, that makes a big difference. Yeah. Um, so Maybe. for, so 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 for me, um, when I succeed in getting knowledgeable enough in a language to be able to interact, uh, acquire, uh, acquire more knowledge, maybe the music, culture, food, all kinds of things, you know, that come with learning a language. That, uh, that's part of what makes it interesting. Yeah. Well, that's why I, I hope that's why most people do it. Uh, I mean, obviously there are some people who are very specific, say interpreting goals, or maybe they need it for a specific reason other than actually using it in, in the culture where it's spoken. But I hope that most people listening to this try to take as much in from the culture they're learning about uh, through the language, because like you said, I also find that's the most rewarding thing about it because you connect with the culture in a completely different way than if you're just there as a, as a foreigner with, with no language skills at, at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 very common, at least in the first-generation immigrants. If I look at 
my father's generation. My father spoke French and English very well, but a lot of his, I guess, uh, com compatriots or uh, people that came from Italy in the 40s, 50s, and things like that really, really struggled to, uh, to learn. Mm. They just continued living in their little uh, mini representation of their world that they had created here. They only bought from Italians, only dealt with Italians, only did their their things in Italian. They didn't really, maybe it's because they felt uncomfortable learning a new language and nobody really broke it down or encouraged them to try to to uh, learn French or English. Mm -hmm. um, but either way, for some reason, they resisted. And in many cases, unfortunately, now you'll see the opposite. People from my generation, which are not learning the parents of our forefathers or things like that, and they just speak French and English, and they're losing something that was really special that their parents could have passed on to them, mm. uh, which is a la the, the gift of a language. If I look at my, at my, in my, in my family, I have my, uh, I guess my, my, my father's uh, brother also married a French Canadian, but she wasn't like my mom from other backgrounds. So she, they really only spoke French mm -hmm. and his kids only speak French. They speak mm -hmm. no Italian, which is really sad. Yeah, it is a shame. Yeah. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a quick break here and give a shout out to the sponsor of today's show, which is Glossica. Glossica have been extremely supportive of the Actual Fluency podcast and website over the years, and I'm really thankful and grateful that they wanted to come on board for this kind of re-release of the podcast, this uh, new era. And, you know, what is Glossica? Well, essentially, it's kind of like a spaced repetition system, but with audio-based sentences. So you have listening practice, you have speaking practice, and every day you can do reps. So you log on to the Glossica site, and the software using some <laughs> fancy AI technology actually places you on your skill level and suggests sentences and content that are appropriate. And what I really like is you can log on to Glossica and just press a button and it will do all the reps you need for that day. Um, this is in contrast to other websites where you have to constantly click or type or, and you know, there's merit to that, but I really like Glossica's approach as well. Um, so if you want to get started with Glossica, Check it out at tryglossica.com. That's Glossica spelled G-L-O-S-S-I-K-A. Have fun. But you see it a lot in uh, in these uh, in, in the Western world that the language of the immigrants they they disappear in. I think it. I think it's only two or three generations. Like two, it's almost gone, and three, it's almost certainly gone, which is really scary you know <laughs> that's really quick to lose quite a big part of the of the identity but of course there are many issues with uh usually uh, adapting into foreign culture it sometimes can be difficult to have a, a let's say a different language you know if you're, you're the kid at school who let's say everyone else speaks english exclusively and you're the kid who also knows italian i mean i don't think the other kids in and let's say you were about seven don't think the other kids would find that cool. They would probably quickly use it as an excuse to like endlessly, um, you know, bully you uh, bully or you something exactly. like that. Yeah, kids can be very cruel. And it's one of the reasons where, different. when I was young, 
I really felt bad about not talking Italian because I went to uh, elementary school that was 95% Italian and I was like probably one of the the only ones there that didn't really speak I understood but I I I spoke very poorly very little mm-hmm. um and that really is probably one of the things that motivated me to to really make an effort to learn and I That's had a great. lot of discussions with my parents saying, "Why you gotta, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta talk to me more in Italian? I really want to learn and stuff like that." And they encouraged me, but they still, because it wasn't the norm in our house to always watch Italian or uh, talk in Italian, you know, it just didn't happen happen naturally. Yeah, I can understand that. It's, it's, yeah. it's a shame that 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 it happens like that. But your story is. Is, uh, is very well, similar to many yeah. uh, many persons all around the world, I'm sure. I've heard that uh, a lot of times, and also there's the idea of it is a misguided idea. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give that say a preface to it. But there's the idea that parents think that if you move to a, let's say an English speaking part of the world, that the child will need English to sort of be accepted or get a job or university or whatever while they don't really know that you can actually there's no reason not to do both or three or five like tetsu's exactly exactly (laughs) no he's extreme but you know the formula works yeah it really does it it is actually scary to see how just how well it works but the brain is amazing and especially at that age when you're you know just starting out learning a language when you're two or three or whatever the time is they start speaking well mm-hmm. uh, you're so your brain mass is so malleable you know you can just uh build whatever you want to build even five five languages or more i guess uh that's also bella is a good example yeah there, there there's many theories on that and I, actually one of the persons that's speaking this year at the at langfest is uh agat chupola or something like that and she's a um I'm trying to find her thing. So she's a lang- speech language therapist. Okay. Okay. And one of the things that uh, she does is that she 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 wrote a book actually on uh, language acquisition and things of the sort. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think her parents are from. Her father was from Angola, but she was born and raised in in Canada, in in Montreal. And she also speaks French and English, and I guess the specific language that they speak in the area that her father uh, was from, because in Angola itself, I think there's like 50 different dialects or something like that. So every village speaks something else. Mm. Um, It was very, very hard for her to uh, acquire uh, the, the language. And even now today, she's making efforts to do so. Um, but some of it is, is having access to, to uh, content. Yeah. Like, like for, for Italian or, uh, or Spanish or English or French, there's so much content that's out there. If you want to learn, you can. For yeah. certain languages, it's, a, it's harder. Definitely. And that... You know, like, um... How's that changed for you? As you 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 mentioned, you bought, you know, some of the books when you were starting out as a teenager. But I, I must imagine that it's you know it's changed quite a bit the way you the format you know, or... of everything that's available is 
very, very different. I mean, learn, learning in itself, you have to invest yourself in whatever tool or method that you're using and just go through the flows Yeah. in order to learn. Absolutely. Okay, but it's, a, it's much more accessible than it used to be. I mean, I used to have, I had bought just a book, but you could, I, I also had, uh, for German, right. I, I remember I had cassettes or uh, <laughs> things like that. Um, cassettes didn't work very well for me. I was too lazy. Uh, to go through them, but the books worked a little bit more. Um, but it all depends on well, what's out there nowadays. Like for example, three four years ago, I I, uh, I was like fed up of all discouraged with uh, my lack of progress in German, and I said, okay, I got to pick another language. I said, which language should I pick that should be easy for me to learn, given that I speak French, Italian, Spanish. And Portuguese, I said, okay, I'll pick Romanian. And then I saw on YouTube, uh, there was uh, a channel uh, from back then. She was probably the only one um, mm. for, uh, for learning Romanian. And her classes were really fun and things like that. And I said, oh, that's great. So I started following that. And I found that, you know, as I, as I thought, there's a lot of similarities between Italian and Romanian and, and things of the sort that, you know, I started understanding and picking up the language. And it was very encouraging to see different mm -hmm. types of materials that I could use. So that sort of introduced me to uh, other methods of learning. And, and YouTube is very, very, uh, yeah. very popular. It's a good tool. Like for German, I use German Pod 101 and things of the sort which is like 24 hours of someone yeah, just shooting phrases that. at you and, <laughs> and things of the sort. I mean, it's, it's, it's fun. I know you tried, you've learned German as a second language also. So you, you know that uh, having access to having material yeah. is Yeah, I always said it in a very passive way. It's my, it's the first foreign, well, I mean, kind of ignoring English for a second, which I know I shouldn't be doing, but it's the first, foreign language I learned exclusively in school because um, I didn't really, I had a, a good language ear so I could quickly get to know the stuff for the in the school, the syllabus. But unlike English, uh, mm -hmm. there was no German content widely sort of watched or, you know, there was no German TV. I mean, we had the German channels, but I wasn't going to sit and watch, you know, some 80s uh, crime detective show in German, you know. <laughs> I learned English because the video games were all in English and those were the games that my friends were playing that I was playing them a lot. So you had to learn English, but there was no nothing the same pressure for German. So my German is not compared to the time that I spent on it's not very good. And I haven't actually spent any significant time on my own learning it. So it's pretty much only been in school. Uh, so that experience is very different for me uh, as well. Um, but yeah, if you spend an, an, enough time on something, you will eventually get good at it, you know, even if it's like just in school. Well, if, if you look at uh, North America, okay, like for example, here in Quebec, people start learning English or French, a second language from... I guess the second or third grade of elementary school, and they learned it in theory for about 10 years. However, 
most people will finish high school not being able to carry on a very simple conversation yeah. in that target language. Why? Because they're just learning it like passively, that. like you said. Uh, they're not really finding a valid reason to learn it. Um, and I, I guess it's it's the way that it's taught at school that maybe is not as effective yeah, not as about, it should be. Uh, speaking and listening, definitely. It's more about just vocabulary and grammar, maybe. It's not interactive maybe enough. People can explain grammar rules or tell you what a word is, but they really struggle if they have to buy a milk from, from the shop or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> something like that. So... I mean, there's there's so many programs out there when you look at it uh, to try to get people to learn languages. There's many academic programs that are that are there also. Some of them are better than others. Um, having been to a bilingual school when I was young, where literally half the day was in a language <laughs> and the other half was in another language, uh, I can say that that's probably the the best formula for someone yeah. to actually learn a language. And the English that I learned in my first six years of school was sufficient for me to be able to speak English very well, like I do now, and go do my, my yeah. university studies in English, although I didn't really yeah. do it in all high I don't school. Think it's, I don't think it's about the time necessarily. I mean, we definitely have to be careful about how we define it. It's, it's about the hours, really, not the years. Because I had German in, I think, about probably 13 school years. I had German. So that was, you know, uh, that was elementary school, that was high school. And I also had a little bit in university. Um, but in especially in primary school, you only have, you know, an hour and a half a week. Uh, so if you add that up, I think I made the, I made the math at some point. I, I did. I believe it was about 300 hours that I estimated just because of holidays of, you know, uh, weekends and everything. It just came out to a very small number over the years. So I think you, when you, when you say, you say six years, you obviously had quality six years, whereas somebody can go 10 years with very low quality or very low quantity in those uh, 10 years and not know a thing. Exactly, exactly. So what do you attribute your success to since you only had 300 hours or so of, of German? And I know you even did an interview in German once uh, yeah, it's, a couple of years ago. I still, I still would not consider myself a success in German. It's still a very weak uh, language. I still make a lot of mistakes. But I think what happened was, mm -hmm. first of all, I really liked my German teacher back in uh, elementary school. He was a really cool teacher. He was a really cool guy in general, but he was also, he was kind of in on the whole computer mm -hmm. thing. He understood a little bit, which in the 90s was completely unheard of. Like all the teachers didn't even know what a computer was, most of them. Uh, this guy, you know, he, we talked, we used to go to, uh, we had swimming lessons every week uh, and I would sit close to him in the bus. You know, you, you can't, you can't always sit next to the teachers because everyone wants to sit next to the teacher. Uh, but and we'd talk about silly things like I don't even remember what we we're talking about, like website coding and all sorts of geeky things that were happening at the time. So because I really respected him and I, I, he's actually a really good teacher, you know, 
um, I really developed a, an early interest uh, in languages and we had a little taste a year. So I really liked that uh, German and I was really good at it. So I was encouraged, mm -hmm. which uh, I was a bit of a, a delinquent back in the day. So when I actually got some praise for something, <laughs> uh, it was really nice. Uh, and I think that's pretty much where it started, but I don't think it got good, like proper. I don't think I converted it into something useful until I started going to Germany, actually, um, in in high school or maybe a little bit before. Yeah, it was high school, I think. We went to this conference. It's a uh, Model United Nations. It's an event. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That sounds cool. Yeah, it's I've actually heard really of those fun. Types it's of like events. Um, you, you just pretend you're some country. You're a delegate in the UN, and you do all these meetings where you have to speak in a very... It's all in English, but it it was in Germany where I participated. And I had to stay with a host family. And I had a you know, uh, a host uh, student from the school and we would speak mostly in German and I would try to sort of get around in German. And I think I went there two times. And then in university, we also went on a week trip where we had a bit of classroom as just theory. And then after the classroom sessions, I was staying with a, a German guy as well, who's a really cool guy. And I, I tried to just speak German with him. And, and those couple of examples really just, yeah, turned my passive knowledge, which I developed over so many years, because I think that's that's what you do when you're in school. You develop passive uh, vocabulary. You develop passive understanding. So when people mm -hmm. actually speak to you, if you've had it for many years, I mean, this is just about you know the the volume of of information you have stored in your brain. It's so much easier to actually convert that into a functional language rather than doing a functional language from the beginning, which is, I mean, I really respect people who can do, you know, a couple of months of study and then actually have what seems like normal conversation. They're a little bit basic maybe, but for me, it took years and years and years. So I wouldn't call it successful. It's definitely not quick, <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, it does mean <laughs> that I understand literally everything in German now. And I can't really write very well, if at all, because the, mistakes are too obvious uh, but if i'm speaking i sort of glance over it or i can say it in a different way and and yeah it, it's good enough but that brings me to another problem is if it's good enough i don't really have motivation to make it better because there's so many other languages i'd like to learn but at the same time it seems silly not to spend a little bit of time on it and get it to a really good level um but i don't know what do you think do you have any of, of that kind of thing these, these are all <laughs> choices you know that we have to make you can't be uh, proficient in every single no. language to the same level uh, you know like for example i speak french and i speak english fairly well like when people ask me okay what are your native languages i'll say mm -hmm. french and english it's both however you speak to any quebecois here when they hear me speak french they say oh this guy's <laughs> an anglo and when I speak to people that are that are English, they'll say, oh, that's oh amazing. He's, he's French, you know, and uh, it's like, you know, I'll never I'll never be able to um, speak it to a level or uh, have the same intonations or things like that because of the fact that I was raised with both. And often in my own family where we mm -hmm. do a lot of code switching, 
So we're always switching between both languages and stuff like that. And, you know, it, we don't even realize that we're do yeah. doing so most of the time. When I was young, that was, that was my norm. I remember when I was in, a, in elementary school, my, my teacher in fifth grade uh, noticed that I was always switching like that. And then one of the day, one day, my mom came to a parent student activity and stuff like that. And she met her and she started talking with her. <laughs> and she said, now I understand. You guys are natural code switchers. You just switch from one language yeah. to the other all the, all the time. And right. we do oh, it without I've realizing. This. Yeah, I've seen this. It's, it's quite, I find it quite amazing, actually. It's, it's quite beautiful. You know, and, and um, I guess that's because you're each equally comfortable in both languages. And you know that the person that you're speaking with is also like that. So because yeah. of that, you will code switch. If I'm I'm speaking with someone that I know is not, I guess, uh, proficient in that language, too, then I'll stick to only one. Like yeah. with you, I'm only talking in English. Um, but I mean, with other people, it's sometimes you know you'll you'll go and it could go in three languages: French, English, yeah, exactly, Spanish, yeah. depending who you're with. Sometimes it's weird. Because that's the way the sometimes conversations flow sometimes. I have some friends, for instance, in the, the, you know, sometimes we're in a group where I might have three common languages and it's, but English is like the easy way mm -hmm. out that we usually get most involved, but we try to mix it up a bit. So I have a German group at the uh, gathering and stuff. We try to speak German. Uh, which which is nice. So that's another thing that that also helps me sort of keep my level or improve. It's just practice, you know. I'm at that stage now where I don't really need more theory; just need practice and and listening and, and speaking. So <laughs> that's that's the. Have you been watching Babylon, Babylon Berlin? Berlin? I, I have not. What's what's on that Netflix? Oh, uh, it's it's a great series. It's it's in German, obviously. It's called Babylon Berlin. It's on uh, it's on Netflix right now. It's like a, a from the replica of the 1920s wow. in Germany and things like that. It's happening in Berlin. I'm enjoying watching it, although they speak so fast. It's a challenge for yeah. me to uh, try to follow. But uh, great series, great decors, the the way they dress and stuff like right. that. It's, yeah, it's I see really they fun. don't have it on the UK Netflix, unfortunately. So I might have to find it other places. <laughs> Pirate. <it>. Um, <laughs> you don't have. No, they, they do, don't have but Netflix it's a different uh, catalog. Right. They don't have necessarily have, the same. They have different uh, programs, have different also contracts for each of the sort. Uh, series, yeah. each film, even so. Which is stupid. Uh, I really, I really wish the world was more global when it comes to these stupid things. It's like watching, you know, you go on, uh, you read a news article from somewhere. And like on the web, you don't care if it's like the New York Times or it's the Istanbul uh, Esquire. But if you go on their website and it's like, <laughs> sorry, the producer of this video has blocked viewers from your country from seeing this. And I'm like, why? Like, yeah, it happens, yeah, that to, happens me too to me all the time. The time. Like, yes. Who cares, first of all? If more people watch your stuff, you have better numbers to show advertisers so you can get more money. Second of all, why am I going to pirate a two-minute news section? You know, what, what exactly are you worried about? I don't understand it. It's like, oh, it's not licensed to your country. Uh, okay. The internet, hello? But anyway, that's a, a rant on the side. 
Um, we better get talking about <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, Langfest. So yeah. it's your third year. Third yes, year. it is our third year. And maybe you want to just quickly, uh, uh, gonna... I mean, we don't have uh, endless amounts of time, of course, but maybe just quickly how you started it. I, we might have talked about it before, but I like a, a good story. So so what made you start this event back uh, in 2016? So in 2016, when we held the first ever, I guess, uh, uh, Langfest, which back then was called NAPS, mm -hmm. North American Polyglot Symposium. Um, it was sort of a spin-off of a movement that started after the Polyglot Conference, which many people know about, uh, went, came to North America and held a, uh, did yeah. their conference in New York City. For many people like myself, and Tetsu and many other people in North America. It was the first time that we ever went to this type of polyglot event that brought people from all around the world together and people talked about languages and you know you could exchange with people, meet really interesting uh, uh, presenters and you know just have a weekend mm -hmm. of languages. And a lot of us you know that attended that event were so completely blown away by the fact that this type of event because it could have happened right here and it was so much fun and things of the sort we were all on a high i guess for a little while after the event ended and uh, there started to be talks okay about uh, uh, holding a type of event like this in north america um they did a poll i guess this group of pe persons did a poll, where should we organize this event? What city would be good represent representative of uh, languages in North America and stuff like that. And overwhelmingly, Montreal was chosen. So then after they said, who actually lives in Montreal? Who's from there? Mm -hmm. Who could help us organize this? So then Tetsu and I sort of became the de facto organizers of that first event. We didn't really realize what we were getting getting ourselves into, but you know the uh, polyglot world really responded very positively to our uh, holding this kind of event. I mean, we brought together, uh, I mean, people like Benny Lewis, uh, Ali Richards, Stephen Kaufman, uh, and many others. You know that. You know, you see sometimes on on YouTube or or whatever, and you're, there are people yeah. you really look up to uh, with regards to languages. We even really got this this really great great <laughs> guy called Chris Broholm to come down to uh, present at our yeah. uh, at our event. Uh, so, so I mean, it was it it was really really great, and people like yourself really just encouraged us and kept us going and. Uh, we managed in holding our first event successfully. It was very uh, in, informal, I guess. But, I mean, we put it together. We got about uh, a little bit more than 100 persons, mm -hmm. 120 persons, more or less, to attend the event. Uh, it was held at Concordia University. I had, uh, I'm an alumni from Concordia University, and when I was there, I was a... Uh, I guess uh, I was in a student association called ISEC, and they helped us 
you know, get the space for very, very cheap. So we had great space, great speakers. All that was left was was advertising it and getting people to come, and people responded and came. So that's that's what uh, got the 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 first Naps Langfest uh, done. Then after that, after that really successful first year, um, we did a second edition, and we got you know Stephen Kaufman. Uh, Ollie Richards, Richard Simcott, Alex Rawlings, uh, and many, many other people to come down. We even got the little girl, um, what's her name? Bella. That is, uh, yeah, that's a great, uh, uh, great I mean, I mean when, when, when you have people like that that say, sure, I'll come down, you're like, what? Okay, let's, let's, we really got to yeah. work hard to make this happen. And I saw, the uh, so that's what we did. And, stuff, and this know, year is great success last year as well. Very jealous that I couldn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> so this year, uh, Benny's going to be there again for a third year. He's always been a very, very big uh, uh, supporter, I guess. We're going to have Steve Kaufman. Uh, we have, uh, I'm very much into learning German. So one of the persons that I admire a lot that uh, has a really great YouTube channel is this girl called uh, Anya Winter, who does mm. learn German with Anya. And she's never been to any polyglot event ever, but she accepted to uh, come down to Montreal. Uh, so she's going to be presenting at our at our event, and she'll also do a German uh, workshop. We couldn't have her without her do a German <laughs> Fantastic. workshop. Fantastic. So a German little bit workshop. for a personal gain there as well. That's no shame in that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess no, but so. I just, I guess so. just want to take a so, quick a second. Just Some people I know have never been to any of these language events, so it might sound a little bit strange to 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 them. What like What could you possibly with these events you said you said obviously to meet other people to uh, network to maybe exchange some languages to, to try using your language skills but for me it, i feel like it's more of a it's, it's more of a what do you call it like a camp you know you, have you ever been to I, one of those camps where everyone has one interest like either a band or science or even math i've heard about in, in the u.s I feel like it's just a bunch of people with the same similar interests who are usually extremely nice and, and friendly, very welcoming to any anyone who comes there. And you just have a really nice weekend and you meet a lot of people. You practice a lot of languages if you want. You know, people have lots of languages on their badges, so you can quickly spot people if you want to practice a, a, a particular one. And you just come home with, I feel like, a great sensation of... Uh, you know, not belonging is probably a big word, but you know, you you're part of something bigger all of a sudden, and you build a network in in the whole world, and and of course, spending a weekend in in Montreal, in beautiful Montreal, is is also part of the package. But but how would you sort of describe the experience? Look, I think you you hit it on the nail on many many of the things. To me, it's more yeah, than I just agree. a conference. It's it's sort of a an experience it's an adventure you know like you come down for three to six days because because the event actually starts on the the 21st on the tuesday and we have a lot of uh opportunities for people to get to meet each other do a little bit of city city uh get to know the city do some touring some touristy things 
and the actual conference starts on the Friday. Um, language learning, I think, sometimes is a very lonely, uh, lonely activity. Yeah. It's something you do on your own. Okay, and for many people, we don't get the chance to exchange with with individuals like ourselves that are into learning languages that have a curiosity for language learning uh, very often, mm -hmm. you know, and coming to this kind of event, you do find yourself amongst your peers, amongst people that are, that have that general openness, friendliness, and where you feel welcome, you know, even though, you know, you're, we're all, everybody's trying to learn a language and everybody's at different levels in different languages depending on which mm -hmm. language you're trying to learn you know so everybody knows what you're going through they know the the tricks the tools <laughs> yeah. they know the pain that you go through when you're trying to to learn they know about the challenges and things of the sort um and i think being in that crowd yeah. there's oh, a very yeah. special energy <laughs> it's exciting. and we try to we, we try to really you know like give people an opportunity to exchange and interact with another with one another that's why it's there's a lot of there's a lot of social there's some academic also i guess i mean we got some really great presenters that will talk to you about uh, uh different the, the neural the neurology of the brain and why a language acquisition works and which part of your brain it, it accesses the right hemisphere the left hemisphere things like that but you also have uh presentations where you'll learn how to write your name yeah. in chinese you know like man chinese calligraphy uh you'll have things where you'll have people that that uh make a living you know, doing accents and things of the sort or speaking different languages with a more comedic yeah. twist. How to make money. Um, you have people that are yeah. world travelers. Personal experiences, I always like those. Um, like somebody talking about their own. Ex exactly. You know, and, and you'll find that many of the people that come to, uh, I guess, Langfest are also some of the people that go to the polyglot gathering and that go to the polyglot conference they it's sort of a tour <laughs> they do like three yeah. four events yeah, oh like yeah this yeah i mean many every of my year friends, yeah they do that yeah. i mean the, there's always a bit of a divide between american and, and europe because it's just so hard yeah, well hard it's very expensive and time consuming to travel between uh so i find mm -hmm. that in europe for instance this is totally true like if you go to the, the conference and the gathering that the overlap is sometimes 50%, you know, people go to both of them. Um, so, so I can. And there's six months in between both. So you, you yeah, it's so, well-timed yeah. that you, you want to see those people again and exchange with them. Oh, where, how are you doing in this language? Oh, you've, you've improved this now. That's good. Oh, what's, what yeah, new languages are you picking up? Uh, and we have a little bit of that yes, in Montreal also. Back. Um, travel it, in yeah, North definitely. America is more getting expensive. Just two there <laughs> from from Europe, but you have the same problem. Gathering, <laughs> yeah, and and we don't have the same dynamics that you have in in Europe, where all the countries are so close to one another that you yeah. can travel easily and things like that. And every language is different. Here, you basically have English, a little bit of French, yeah. 
and some Spanish in many parts of the U.S. Um, however, you know, I mean, if you you have an interest for languages, it's not the it's not promoted as much as it is down there. So for for us to have this kind of event here, uh, it's more unique. Yeah, there's not really anybody else that's doing this kind yeah, of definitely. event. Definitely, and in also North I think Montreal is is a multilingual city beyond just English and 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 and, and French. I mean, I saw an absolutely huge Chinese. Uh, do you call it Chinatown there? And this big yeah, there's yeah, a Chinatown, Koreatown, uh, uh, Greek. We have so. There, there, there's probably more than a right. hundred languages spoken in Montreal. Some neighborhoods are very, very uh, multicultural. Um, it's one of the country, one of the the cities with that is very vibrant, oh, rich in Montreal's culture so and food and exchange and all kinds of things. It's it's really. Uh, I feel fortunate to. Yeah, it's a wonderful here, city. I, I guess mean, I've, just from my experience two years ago going to 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 Langfest and being in that city honestly that is a city where I would just say okay I could live here for sure because it's a North American city without a doubt but it has a very European feel like it's very sort of you know small nice places cafes uh, enjoying yourself having some good experiences uh, beautiful green areas you know all all over and 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 really nice people as well I was I was really uh, impressed with just how friendly and, and welcoming most everyone I talked to there was. Yeah, well, hopefully yeah, yeah, we you get will, to see you, you will, again. Definitely. I, I don't know. Maybe next year. Yeah. Maybe next year. I need year. to be careful not to say that every year because then obviously I'll never come. But uh, yeah, once I found a little bit more of a, a steady, stable place to live and, and job, then I'm definitely going to come because it's, it's also an, an opportunity for me to go a little bit further. You know, going to Germany, Berlin, or something—it's not really much of a trip. It's it's exciting as always, but going on a nice long flight and seeing a part of the world you didn't see before. Like when I was there the last time, I was in—I drove down to um, to Boston and picked up a friend, and we did a little mini road trip, uh, which wouldn't have happened if there was no Langfest. So, yeah, I I think. I would highly encourage people to to take that opportunity if they can. Obviously, it is expensive to fly there for most people, unless you're a local or in the area. But the rewards are also equally good. The opportunities you can find, the friendships you can make. Like from my first year at the Polygon Gathering in Berlin, which is 2014, that was the first year they had that event. So, and speaking of which, these are so such new things. Have you have you thought about that? It feels like we've had these events forever, but the the oldest one, the conference, I think started in was it thirteen, twelve? It was. It's not. It's it's not something like that. Yeah, yeah. It, they haven't been running for very long, but I mean, it's yeah. it's it's a great movement, and uh, like like like. Last year, Richard Simcott was saying, you know, that he's very happy to see that his uh, his event that he started, the Polyglot Conference, uh, sort of has uh, had two yeah, yeah. children, if you want to call it that, <laughs> the Polyglot Gathering and now the the Langfest. Uh, but I mean, it's 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 a wonderful thing, and I, I'm sure in the coming years you'll see it 
pop up in other areas of the world too. Right. I mean, Africa doesn't have anything. I hope Asia definitely Asia, yeah. should. An excuse to go to Asia uh, would be have. fantastic for me because I've never been, I don't really have any experience, firsthand experiences with relation culture. So for me, if they did say a public gathering in, I don't know, Beijing or I don't know, <laughs> South Korea or uh, Japan or something would be mm -hmm. super interesting. Yeah, I would definitely. It would be amazing. Yes. That. Or maybe even like a lot of a lot of things happening in Thailand as well, Bangkok or Chiang Mai. There's a lot of expats as well, so maybe not ideal. But uh... mm -hmm. ah, I've never been to Asia go. either, so that's uh, that. That would be the. <laughs> but let's throw them the idea. It's obviously let's get them a massive organized. task to. Or, I mean, you know how hard it is to organize an event here in your home city. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, we don't change city if you had to organize uh, Langfest next year in uh, Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Exactly. Uh, it's uh, I mean, we, our our first when when we first started, we were thinking about bringing it to different cities every year across North America. We 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 still want to do that, but I mean, the logistics of organizing an event like this are yeah are uh, significant. Let's call it that. So we haven't given up on that dream, but it's. Uh, maybe one maybe day yeah so, well i mean it's all the growth you saw the the gathering in berlin was in berlin for three years you know and and now it's in Bratislava for a while and it might move again and i think that's just that's great and and the conference was obviously always changing every year but i like the idea of seeing where it goes see what like getting to yeah, experience I, a new part we, I've had also, this discussion with like lots that. of my friends who go to most of the events, and and I think there there are definitely merits for both. Uh, I find it exciting to have an event that changes every year, definitely. But I also don't mind coming back to the same place because then, first of all, I can explore that place more. Like uh, I was fortunate enough to be a month in Montreal, but usually when I go to these things, I would only be there for for the conference itself and maybe one day of sightseeing. So you don't really. See yeah exactly. definitely so, not enough so if right. it is there every year then i have i can check out more things and i can maybe spend a little bit more energy on on the event itself you know which is uh, obviously the main reason you go but uh yeah I, I see advantages in both and and i think you just need to see where it goes and what people say if people start being a little bit bored of montreal which i don't understand necessarily how it could be but uh <laughs> Uh, then maybe <laughs> look into moving it a little bit or yeah. yeah no i'm not saying that they are i'm just saying that our our original premise was that we would be moving every year i have a lot of respect for richard and alex that they manage in having a formula that they can do so yeah yeah for sure it's a lot of work oh yeah That's but luckily um or, well, not luckily. I mean, to their credit, they always get someone local to to help them out with a lot of work. exactly. So give them a hand. Yes, they they wouldn't be able to do so. When you hold this kind of event, even at Langfest, we have countless amount amounts of volunteers yeah. that give us a hand. You don't see them, you don't see them, but they're all there and they're all working very hard to make everything happen. Uh, and you know, holding those types of events without the help. Uh, volunteers would be sure, absolutely yeah. impossible. So apart from, let's say, the the nice talks and various different topics, you've got the you've got the social aspects covered. You've got extracurricular activities planned. Um, are there anything else that you want to just 
quickly uh, mention that also happens or that people should be aware of? Uh, maybe some quick tips about people first time growing one Well, some, oh, some yeah. new things that we're going to do this year is, uh, first of all, we're going to have the language <laughs> Olympiads. I don't think anything's never happened before anywhere. We're going to try to do some kind of game. Uh -huh. It's going to be called the Language Olympiads. That's going to be on the first day on the Friday. Um, we have our big kickoff event that starts on the on the 21st at uh, Mundolingo. Do they have Mundolingo in uh, the I UK don't now? Think or so. they I haven't still heard don't? of it yet. Uh, yeah. Did you come? Did yeah, you attend the Mundolingo one, event uh, when you night. came to Montreal? I think it's a definitely an interesting event. Uh, I would recommend people always check uh, Meetup as well uh, in case they're. There might not be a Mundolingo, mm -hmm. but there might be a, a Chinese group or meetups or things like that. Yeah, so Mundolingo is is an event that uh, sort of brings people from everywhere. You put a, yeah. you put the tag of the languages that you want to speak, and uh, you just meet up and talk with people. So that's where we're going to start our first day, sort of to get people to mix and talk with people right from yeah. the get-go and things of the sort. Um, for the rest, uh, you know, I, I think we have a very, very good program. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, if anybody does come, I would encourage them to come uh, earlier. Don't come just on the 24th. Try, try to come on the yeah. 21st or the 22nd Definitely. so you get a chance to do some of the before activities. Uh, on the 26th, which is the Sunday, we always end our event with a big picnic after, some kind of potluck where everybody just gets together, unwinds, and we talk about our weekend and how much fun we had and things of the sort. Weather has been nice for the last two years. We're hoping, crossing yeah. our fingers, that it will be nice again <laughs> for a third consecutive year and we can hold our picnic after. Uh, but that's really a nice, a nice way to like yeah. unwind an event and have people... So if you do come, don't leave right away on the 24th. Leave the yeah, leave mean, next uh, morning. 26, yeah. That's what yeah, I would recommend. I would say that as well. Yeah, you you wanna, you don't want to have just the event. Obviously, some people have to because of work. Or they can't make more. But I would say if you can make a trip out of it and take the week, uh, there's always, always stuff going on in Montreal anyway. anyway. Uh, so the, the city itself is buzzing. I remember there was, there was a jazz festival. There was a some of the street. Yeah, there's just for laughs. There's oh, yeah, that's for true, yeah. there's a thousand things that are happening in Montreal. Yeah, Montreal is a city of festivals. Going on downtown as well. It's not sometimes related to a festival. I didn't really understand that. It was like a city that was, I mean, a street that was closed off and it has some uh, stalls. And I, I don't know how that works either. But uh, there's definitely a lot of buzz and obviously rich uh, cafe life, lots of restaurants, a lot of experiences, uh, bars, cafes. It's really a, a pleasure to to be there, and I, I really enjoyed my time there. It was it was. Fantastic. I'm glad that you did. If you hadn't, probably <laughs> well, we wouldn't be talking now, uh, after three years. I, I I consider myself fortunate to have had the opportunity to to meet with you oh, well, at this you. kind of event, Chris. And uh, that's the kind of thing that I encourage people to to uh, to want meet to people. want to have. You know, it's it's the magic of those yeah, uh, those types of events. The event itself is also good. I have many fun memories. Uh, the picnic, for instance, I remember as a really fun time. We were there until it was dark. Basically, we couldn't see anything. 
Um, and I, like I said, I remember the tacos one night. There was a car crash out in front of the restaurant uh, or a little place we were at. And you know, these are all things that wouldn't mm-hmm. be possible if I didn't, you know, make the effort. Or at least you can go back and say even further than that, go back to actually have an interest in languages to begin with. Uh, these are part of the opportunities, the experiences that open up when you when you do that. But if I can ask you, I mean, for me, obviously, attending the Polyglot Conference the first time kind of changed changed me, changed my life, opened me up to many different opportunities, and that's how I became uh, co-organizer of Langfest and things of the sort. On on your side, how has your attending the Polyglot Gathering you said in 2014? Yeah, yeah. Can you see sure. a different person? Is there a, is, there, is there a day different or night, day or night? Chris, I mean, uh, I guess I knew that it was a, I was always that person, but it just sort of made sense. It made it real in a way. I I got confirmation. I met so mm-hmm. many talented people. Like I met Benny Lewis there, who I'd been following on YouTube and on his blog for probably six months before that. Um, that I found him six months before, and I read every blog post he ever made. I saw all his videos. And I was just amazed that somebody could make it so look so easy, you know. <laughs> and um, and I and I actually, <laughs> yeah. it's a funny story, but I don't know if it's fate or whatever you want to call it. I, I always find like fate and destiny funny in retrospect, but it, retrospect, but it I don't really believe it in going forward. I I feel like you always have to look back to make the connection. But so I was I've told the story before as well. Uh, I, I I was. I found Benny's blog and I realized that you can actually be a polyglot. Like you can learn languages more or less just for the sake of it. I know you obviously have reasons for each language, but it's, it's like a hobby where I, I had a talk with Azran yesterday. He's also coming to the Langfest. Yeah. Uh, he's a great, exactly. great, great guy. Uh, really, yeah, really great kid. full of energy and talented. And he said something like, uh, along the lines of when language learning is your main focus of your life, basically meaning it doesn't matter what you do as a job or as a as other hobbies or with your family or who you see where you go language learning will always be there uh, so you build your life your life around that and i i felt so that was when i, I discovered benny and I, I got that idea i started seeing other people richard simcott alex rawlings all these uh classics uh, of course um um, mm-hmm. you know Kaufman as well <laughs> a legend in his own way which I mean that's a whole other story meeting Kaufman as well he's, he's fantastic uh, but I went to the gathering and the whole we had kind of a small room it was a bit like um, it, was, it was just a it wasn't meant to be a, an auditorium or anything it's just a small room a couple hundred seats it was a relatively small event the first one I think they had less than 200 people there with with the volunteers um which of mm-hmm. course is completely dwarfed now by the 500 plus in, in Bratislava. but so i said there there's like i'm sitting next to my friend chris who i also met through this uh language learning chris huff who's also a great guy um and there's two seats making next to me and chris and we all sit down ready for the presentation you know welcome to polygon gathering and a, a little bit sooner there's like a, a little breath of everyone like takes a breath in at the same time it's like the suspense in the room changes and and i look up and benny walks in and 
he's like the celebrity of the community, you know, at least he was back then. I don't know if it's, uh, if, if it's a little bit normalized now, but he was definitely the, the biggest celebrity there and he moved in. And where else would he sit? <laughs> right next to me, of course, because there were no other seats available. And he, when he came in, I shook his hand and he had absolutely no reason to know who I am for any reason because I'd only just started the podcast a month before. So I hadn't really built up anything. And when he came to shake my hand, his partner, Lauren, asked, so he just looked at him like, oh, who's this? It's like, oh, this is Chris from Actual Fluency. I was like, bam, you know, I was there, you know, I was already, I'd already, even to just one person, I'd built up something that was at least memorable for a couple of weeks. I've obviously emailed Benny to be on the show. Um, but so mm -hmm. to say that, the first Polygon gathering changed my life is, is a bit of an understatement. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, yeah. it defined everything from there. And, you know, for, I think about two years, I published an episode every week uh, based off of that energy initial push the, well, you know, occasional uh, exceptions, but that was, that was it. And I, I think the most important thing is that I saw people, I saw real people doing what they said they were doing you know i could read on benny's blog oh yeah i speak 12 languages or something but when i saw benny get literally carpet bombed by people asking him questions in different languages and sort of holding his own i don't think benny's ever pretended to be you know an expert in their, all his languages and uh, i was like okay well mm -hmm. it, there is a truth to it you know and i met some of the most amazing talented people i've ever seen people who speak 8 10 12 languages to a really high level and that just made a big difference because before it was just theory, right? You're like, oh yeah, all these people know all these languages, but it's not real until you actually see it and feel it in, in, in person. And it helps that they're all amazingly friendly and nice and welcoming. And you can ask them all the stupid questions exactly. you have, if any. Uh, they're always very accommodating and uh, patient with, with new people. I, I felt extremely welcome, even though I only knew I think I knew Chris and then maybe two other people I'd written with. And for instance, Judith, who's the main organizer, I'd written a little bit with and she was on my podcast, but she didn't recognize me when I came. So, you know, it's not like I had 200 famous people in the community who, <laughs> who knew who I was. Exactly. Yeah, I was who just who a you brand were, new yeah. one like everyone else. And by the end of every day, I was so tired just by socializing, you know, <laughs> just... Just meeting people all day, and <laughs> and it, it's just a fantastic experience. So if if you had if you're listening to this and you haven't gone to a language event, a uh, language uh, polyglot event, I guess we can call it. Not that you need to be a polyglot to go. That's a big uh, thing I would like to mention. Uh, but yeah, I really encourage you to do it because it it can be life changing. I don't want to promise that it will be, but <laughs> there's some sample size to suggest it might be. Yeah, it's it's. I've had similar experience, Chris. In any case, uh, you know, I mean, this experience that I had has put me on a path where I've had the chance to meet and exchange with so many incredible people that, like you, I have the energy to be able to just keep going forward in my learning. And I'm really enthusiastic about uh, future opportunities that I will get of meeting really extraordinary people from all walks of life that, you know, blow me yeah. away every day. It's, 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 it's a, it's great to be in the presence of 
individuals that really help take you out of your maybe your original comfort zone or wherever you are and make you be more than what you yeah. what you normally are if you understand Definitely. what i'm trying to say anyways um it's 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 a great feeling so for me you know i'm privileged uh to um be co-organizer of this event um it's gotten me to, to to get to meet and exchange with so many amazing people and uh i i really encourage everyone to um Give it a try. to come along <laughs> it's um yeah. yeah yeah that's it i mean if I'm 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 absolutely convinced that yeah, they're going to enjoy the experience. Can I just thank I have no you doubt for about doing it. it on behalf of the whole community because I know that the work involved is just insane, and I know that any compensation, if if any, is absolutely tiny compared to the effort it takes to uh, to put this through. So let me just thank you for doing that because if you didn't, then I'm not sure there would be one uh, an event like this, and and people would really be missing out on it. Yeah, well, thank you very much, Chris. I do it, you know, when you do things like this, you don't do it for yourself. You want people to enjoy the experience and to really be able to get like maybe a tiny bit of what you and I got when we went to our first uh, yeah. polyglot event. If they get that, <laughs> I will too. be the happiest but guy anyway, yeah, so when this episode goes live, of course, uh, the, there might be people listening in the future uh to future editions uh for now i don't know if you've already <laughs> already decided on having one in 19 yet but uh you can always go to langfest.org to see the latest status and and sign up and you can use the code kris the discount code there i'll be sure to um to write to you and get it activated for next year's event as well so in case people are listening to this in the future they can always use that code to uh grab any available discount if you are running any and uh, yeah well, well there will always be the the 15 percent discount that you get uh when you use a, a promo code but you also get discounts for being a student uh if you buy two tickets buy with a friend you get an extra discount if you go you get a couple of persons per, together you get extra discounts there's also spot events spot uh spot promotional things at which you can uh, cumulatively put together you can get up to 57.5 percent off wow. at a certain point i think the 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 whole if if we could give it if we could let people come for free we would unfortunately you know having a venue getting all kinds of those things does have a cost but, uh, but the value there's a lot of though. promo codes out there that that make it not so expensive and it's really <laughs> Uh, a nominal amount when you of think course, of the, yeah, I think what so. you get from and, it and the also you know if you have a life-changing experience uh it's not it's not that bad uh considering what people might spend on going out for a nice meal or you know a few days on holiday you can easily spend double double the amount it costs to take part in Langfest, where you might meet people to to change your life or find some you know ideas that will change the path you're on to a more desirable path or yeah there's so many things that can happen so even if it even if there were no discounts i'd still encourage people to go it, it it's worth it for sure
absolutely. So thanks, thanks uh, for receiving me, Chris. I really likewise. Enjoyed, uh, it's uh, been a long you. time coming. I remember we talked about this for for a while. So it's good to to finally catch up and hear a little bit more about your story with language learning. And I uh, I hope you you manage to perfect your German. I know it's a tricky one for many people. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it trips up. I will not give up <laughs> is, until I succeed. The, uh, that's the attitude to have. So thank you so much, Joey. Yeah, Langfrist, if you're listening to this on the day, it's about two weeks from now. And uh, if you're listening to this after the end of August 2018, well, check langfrist.org for new updates, new uh, new information about upcoming events. And Joey, if people are fascinated by your story, want to get in touch, want to send you a message or anything, is there a particular way to do that? Well, you can write to me at joey at langfest.org or through Facebook, uh, the Facebook yeah. page of Langfest, I guess. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm all over, so I'm very hard. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Drew, and all the best for the, for the event. Thanks, Thanks Chris. Have a great day. Bye.